Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, a quick note before I actually get to the show. Uh, we recorded this early on Wednesday uh, morning, I guess late morning, and since we recorded it, Air Force and Colorado State has been canceled, but we, me and uh, Matt Kennerly, Jeremy here, obviously, if you're listening, you probably know who this is, uh, we went through our full preview on the show, so you get a little bonus um, talk about Air Force CSU as we did not know it was canceled, so enjoy and on to the program. All right, folks, welcome back to the latest uh, Mountain West Wire football podcast, Thanksgiving week edition, stay safe, have turkey. Be fun, or not be fun, but have fun, right, Matt? Is that what we do? Well, why not both? I do it all. Be fun, have fun, right? That's the best exactly. That's what I do. MWR.com is where we do not talk about Thanksgiving food or whatever, but we talk about football, basketball, and we have a week of games that are, at the moment, we are down one game. Is that correct? As we that do, is correct. 9.36 Pacific time, there is San Diego State, Fresno State is not happening. Unfortunately. What's up That's with a bummer? It would have been it would have been a fun game. Both games, Fresno San Jose, Fresno San Diego State. Come on, you're uh, what's up with your neck? Of the, well, we know what's up with your neck of the woods. It's not fun, but it's like, come on. People. What's up with my neck of the woods is up with every neck of the woods. <laughs> exactly. Right now. Me too. I'm just uh, I'm just saying. But yeah, it's a. Uh, that's why I said be safe. But that game's off the books this week because that would have been a fun one. Ronnie Rivers against that defense. Um, with Lucas Johnson at quarterback for San Diego State, been healthy enough to play and look good versus like he did versus Nevada in the first half. But I guess one note about that game. First off, can I make a, a PSA or an announcement to kind of gloat a little bit? Is that okay? Is that allowed? I'll allow it. Everyone who tried to tell me, I made a half kidding argument. Hey, San Diego State play Washington on Mon- like Monday. Because so I'm like, eh, why not? You never know. I knew that probably wasn't going to happen. But I got all these comments. Hey, J.D. Wicker just said it's Washington. Everybody, it's Washington. Watch. It's Washington. Look. And I'm like, this morning or last night, 100% knew it was not going to be Washington for San Diego State. Because mm-hmm. it's funny, those people are like, well, J.D. Wicker said it. I'm like, where? No response. Do you have a tweet? Do you have something? Like, oh, this here. I'm like, they never provide a follow. They just said it. I'm like, come on, people. No better. Be smarter. Think about it. But, however, there could be an Aztec game this week. As, again, we're recording in the morning, Matt. BYU is still a potential, um, at this moment, since it's a little bit later in the day, I think it might be 50-50 they play this weekend in Provo. Mm-hmm. So, 
if that happens, um, maybe I'll do an emergency solo podcast because if it's on Thanksgiving, I don't need to bug you. We'll see what we can do. But uh, that's a, a possibility that could happen. So if that game comes to be, it'd be Saturday in Provo. So we will see. But as this moment, we have our other games we're going to get to. And I am very – well, that's game two. But first game of the day, of the week, Thursday afternoon on CBS Sports Network, Colorado State versus Air Force – Falcons are a, I am very surprised, almost a six-point favorite at five-and-a-half. Ram Falcon trophy on the line. That's one of the better trophies, right? we got all the good trophies here, don't we? We have a lot of aesthetically pleasing trophies in the conference, yes. That's the way to put it. So, but on that line, like, Air Force, five-and-a-half, that seems a bit much. Is that too, do you, where, do you, where, do you, where do you fall on that before we get to the game itself? You know, uh, this game is really hard to figure out. I've been thinking about this game a lot because... We've seen kind of a, 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 a wide range of outcomes from both of these teams through the first three, four games. You know, the Rams have looked great one week and then, you know, got blown out, you know, the, the next week. And, and kind of the same with the Falcons where, you know, the offense looked sharp some weeks and then the defense looked sharp some weeks. And then, you know, last week they, I think they came closer to putting together kind of like their A game. But even then, you know, they still struggled with turnovers for a stretch against Mexico. So, you know, it's it's hard to kind of see how this game is going to unfold because I think there's still that lingering question on both sides. Which Rams team is going to show up? Which Falcons team is going to show up? Yeah, you're right, because we've seen them beat Navy pretty convincingly, speaking of Army, and then the, uh, the Air Force game, 20, or New Mexico game, 28-0. But you mentioned mm-hmm. the three straight turnovers where had they played a better team, that outcome could have been much closer, even a, a defeat. Mm-hmm. Um, Zeke Daniels is quarterback, and so he looked okay. But with the Rams and the Rams sides, it's kind of the same thing. Like, who are we going to get? Like, when they're playing, because they've only played both teams, or I guess the Rams have played one fewer at Senate three games because that Navy game Air Force played. But, mm-hmm. like, when you look at when they played Boise State, okay, it was 52 21. A lot of that was spe- obviously special team stuff. So mm-hmm. there was issues. So it's like, you that happened, you don't take it away, but it doesn't show how good or bad they were. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, giving up basically 21 points with a short field, and one of those was a, basically your defense couldn't do anything. Mm-hmm. Who knows what could happen? That could have been a 30-21 to 21 game or a little bit closer. But, like, for Fresno State, like, they tried to outthink themselves with put Todd Centineo quarterback to run around instead of Patrick O'Brien. Then they beat a, pr- a pretty good Wyoming team who, for some reason, our power rankings have them, like, in the bottom half, which is two things. The Mountain West is deep. Second, Wyoming, are you going to be any better? But mm-hmm. I, I like what is the Rams' like ideal performance? Like when you look at who, how they're playing, who they play, and what they're going up against now, like what would be like? I don't think we have. Maybe you can enlighten me if you have a thought on this. Like, what should we actually expect for them to be good or not good at on a given week? I mean, I think for the for the Rams, the the key I think in any given week at this point is to just try and diversify the offense a little bit because. You know, the running game has been okay. I think they're actually like middle of the pack on a per carry basis. Um, but, you know, it seems like, you know, through the last few weeks, we've seen kind of the ups and downs of what happens when you funnel your offense through, you know, just a handful of guys. And I'm thinking particularly about uh, Dante Wright and uh, Trey McBride, mm-hmm. which, you know, on on the flip side, like you, you do want to do what you can to get your get the ball into the hands of your best players more you know, more often than not. Exactly. But, you know, I think we've seen in the last couple of weeks what can happen when a defense can't contain it, which I think is more or less what happened in the border war. 
and what happens when a defense does contain it, which more or less kind of happened against Boise State. And so I think, you know, one thing I look at is, you know, for starters, are they going to be able to get the running game going? Because through three games, you know, small sample caveats apply, of course, but on a per carry basis, they're the, I take it back what I said a minute ago, they're actually (laughs) the worst running game in the the conference right now. They're only averaging 3.2 yards per carry. And I think, you know, a lot of that just has to, you know, they have to improve at least a little bit, I think, in order to stay in this game and keep Air Force from really, you know, teeing off on whoever ends up under center, whether that's O'Brien or, um, you know, Centeo. And so Here's, I think, no, it has to be O'Brien. It's like, like I'll pound this till I'm dead. I'm like, there's no reason he Todd should be playing more than a handful of plays here and there. Like, mm-hmm. you have, like, again, Patrick O'Brien, when he throws and when he actually, like, an actual football play and guys out there who can catch the ball and just doing what he can do, I would put him at the top of the conference of one of the best quarterbacks. And you're wasting him by Steve Adagio. Let's put in this running quarterback who can swing it around. I get no Warren Jackson, but, like, when he's throwing and he has his actual protection and when their game plan is actually throw the ball more than not, he's really, really good. And taking that away from the Rams, that's, like, Matt, they have no running game like you just said. Like, why not lean on the passing? Why are you going to put in a running quarterback, essentially, or a mobile quarterback who might have a great play here or there, but can't throw the ball downfield? You're basically limiting yourself to playing your worst aspect of offense by run first, by a mile. Well, one thing I'm really interested in seeing is, you know, through through three games, they've really kind of worked by committee. You know, um, mm-hmm. A. John Vivin, Centeo, and Marcus McElroy Jr., you know, all have between 22 and 34 carries. So, like, on a per-game basis, you're talking about three guys who have, you know, either 10 or 11 carries per game. And so my big question is, when you when you look at them individually, what you can see is that in those first three games, Vivens has really outperformed McElroy on the ground. You know, McElroy's got 31 carries and only 60 yards. So for people who don't feel like doing the math, that's fewer than two yards per carry. Yeah, and, and Vivens, by contrast, is averaging 4.8 yards per carry. So I wonder, you know, if you're seeing an offense and with a head coach that has a a track record of establishing kind of a bell cow back, you know, whether we're going to see Vivens get more work in the weeks to come, including this game against the Falcons, because you know you look at his game by game progression against the Bulldogs in the opener, you know, eight carries, 26 yards, you know, 3.2 yards per carry. That's you know, it's not what you want to see, but you also see that he's improved on a per carry basis against Wyoming and then again against Boise State. And so I wonder, even though those two guys are listed, you know, with an or on the depth chart, you know, whether Adazio and offensive coordinator Joey Lynch have seen enough from Bivens to give him a bigger role overall. Do something because they're not being great right now at that part of the game. And you're like, there's. It's not just that the offensive line. While they started the same five guys every week, they haven't been great because you could tell the running game not going well because that's a big issue. But I think the biggest thing you're right, like they throw to the two top receivers, mix in a few other players, like to help out. That help everything. Like okay, you're forced to Dante Wright, like th- throwing to those particular guys or the tight end. It's no, they need to mix it up. And maybe a new running back is the key. Like put him in there. To, to get him more carries, to get more attempts, to see if his yards per play is what it said, what you say it is or how good it can mm-hmm. be. But the offense is too, like, 
if you think on the, if you look at big picture, oh, they're doing all these things. They're bringing a second quarterback to run here and there. They have a quarterback who throw. They have this great tight end, great receiver, but they're not utilizing that to their best of abilities. I don't think because it's not going well. That's mm-hmm. the problem. Like your again, your best asset is Patrick O'Brien throwing the ball, and they're not doing that enough. Yeah, I mean, I would definitely it's agree simple. with that. Keep it simple, right? What are you doing? D- yeah, don't don't get too cute. I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna try and incorporate right into the offense a little bit more, you know, maybe this is another opportunity for them to, you know, utilize him more often on jet sweeps mm-hmm. and things like that, and really kind of, you know, give the Falcons a, a new wrinkle to think about. Yeah, or a quick pass, like the wide receiver, the quick pass to the receiver right out of the shotgun, something like that. Because he in space, he's a fast guy. Mm-hmm. And then when we look at Air Force, they. Um, Kenner Remsburg, do we even know what Remsburg injury is? I forget. I know he's out again. He's not playing. This I week. think it was like a leg injury, if I'm not mistaken. I forget off the top of my head. Guess what? They don't need him. They're doing quite well with, with Brad Roberts there. They, like, what do we know? We know what Air Force is. They run, they run the ball, run the ball, and run the ball more. I did, they look better with Ezekiel Daniels in there, which is good because you don't want to be mixing up quarterbacks for. I know he got pulled for inefficiency, but again, they're playing New Mexico, and so they got to actually tighten up the game, but. The big thing, turnover, you mentioned, like they can't fumble the ball, they can't uh, lose it. Because Rams, while they're not like an amazing team, they would have scored points given those turnovers if it, if it replicates itself for, as it did versus New Mexico. Yeah, so, I think I would agree with that. But like, what do like can the Rams, what do the what do you think the Rams have a like their rush defense? Is they going to be able to slow down? Because Roberts is quietly being one of the best running backs in the conference because he had the. First game versus Navy, amazing. Last week, the three touchdowns. He's up there, like, out of so many good backs, he's like, yeah, whatever, middle of the pack in production. But he's the key guy I think the Rams need to focus on. Because Daniels has, a sh- has shown a little bit, but not a ton of being a guy who's going to be a cute option QB to go for, like, 100-plus on the ground. So, you know, I think we've, we've talked in the past about how the, the the pass rush has really been a pleasant surprise for, for the Rams. You know, even though they've only played three games, they're, they're still sporting a, an 11.6% sack rate that's fifth in the country. You know, they're one of those handful of Mountain West teams that's been really been able to get after the quarterback in the early going. But of course, when you're talking about Air Force, you know, that's an element of the game that, you know, maybe won't apply as much because, you know, when the Falcons have been winning this year, they haven't really needed to utilize Daniels and his arm in the same way that they often utilized Donald Hammond you know, in, in that downfield game uh, in the past, in, in 2019. But at the same time, you know, maybe some some small sample, you know, limitations apply, maybe some opponent adjustments apply too. But the Rams have been pretty good about defending the run too. You know, right now, like, we, you know, we talked about how they've struggled on offense defending the run. They've been really good about defending it though. You know, 2.5 yards per carry is, you know, nothing to, to shake a stick at. And it's not like opponents aren't trying either. I think, you know, on a per-game basis, they're facing more rushing attempts than pretty much anybody in the conference. Like, there's only a handful of teams that have had the ball run against them more often. And so, you know, if they're going to be able to stop the fullback dive and really force Air Force into more passing situations than they want to, then they can definitely have a shot in that game. It's to me, it's kind of a strength on strength matchup, which you know you may not have expected coming into the game, but that's a credit to those guys up front. You know, Scott Patchen's been really uh, a kind of revelation coming in from Miami. Uh, Manny Jones has had another quietly productive year, and and even the linebackers who I think were 
you know, kind of uneven last year. They've really stepped up in a big way too. Dequan Jackson, Cameron Carter have seven combined tackles for loss as well. And so I think those two guys in particular might be the key because if they can keep that fullback dive in check as the interior linebackers in this defense, you know, that I think is where the game is probably going to be won or lost because if, if Air Force is going to continue relying on the fullback dive with, with Roberts and Matthew Merla, you know, it, it's the difference between allowing three and a half, four yards per carry and five or six yards per carry that could make the difference in this game. Yeah, it's all the it's all those big plays. Like, if that fullback dive goes with Roberts, if it continues to be successful, that's how the play actually could easily get them over the top where they throw the handful of times. Like, mm-hmm. it's I say it all the time. It's sub, like, defending Air Force is simple on the surface, but it's actually pretty complicated when we think about it. But yeah. the option, like, you got to play, like, the fullback dive is something they haven't had extreme success to try to think in the past couple of years where they'll do it here and there because Navy does it all the time. Army always is a fullback dive. Air Force has been more of a kind of a speed option type of bit to the outside mm-hmm. or tackles. But having that element, it's the nose tackle, the whoever's taking over the center spot on the defense, like going up against the center. you got to hit that guy every time. It's going to be annoying. It's going to be dumb. You'll, probably, you'll get some tackles. But again, the one time you decide to bite for a fake or something, are you? it's going to burn you either way. So it's like you got to and just do it. I, I don't know how much the Rams can do it because maybe. I don't know. It's just it's, it's something you don't practice all the time. And so that's why it makes it more difficult. But that is the key, a big key. It's always the big plays. Up the 20, 25 plus yard runs. But if the fullback dive, even if the fullback dive isn't successful with like five yards of carry or something, if they mm-hmm. do it enough, it'll open a million other things up. So I still expect Air Force to do it regardless if it's successful or not. Probably, obviously a touch less if it's not going their way, but they're not going to give up on it. They'll just keep going at it and then they'll just start faking at it. So you have to abide by it and respect it every single snap. They try to do it, whether it's a play action or it's just, it's the first option in the triple option set. And I think they'll have more success. And I don't know. I think I'm leaning air force for the win, but I'm not sure. I'm still thinking about it. So, you know, the advanced numbers, I guess, would favor that case. Um, unfortunately, as of right now, they haven't uh, released the FEI game projections. Um, but we'll be sure to include that in our various game previews uh, over on the website. Uh, SP Plus, however, favors the Falcons by 5.9, which is a 63% win probability. Mm, okay. Um, so what do you think? What are you, what are you leaning in this game? Or who are you leaning, I guess? I think if the Rams don't get cute, they should be able to win this one pretty comfortably. That's a problem. That's all they've done this year. I think if they play it straight, I think they can hold Air Force at arm's length. So I'm going to take the Rams. I'm going to say 27 to 20. Over-under is what, 55 in this game? Yes. I think the Rams are just going to be weird again. They Like, I... Like, when you look at with the quarterback for it's not Donald Hammond, they don't have Kenny Ramsburg, you would think they should win. Like, I would say this if the Rams actually focus more on the passing game, they should win. But I don't think they're going to do that. So I'm going to, I'm going to say Air Force is going to win 24 to 20. Because that, because what, what has shown to you or me, Matt, that Steven Dodge is not going to do some kind of, uh, be a little bit quirky with his offensive game planning. I haven't seen him be straightforward and focused on one thing or the other. So I guess we'll have to wait and see. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. 
Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, next game. Oh, boy. Somebody has to win, right? Assuming this mm-hmm. game gets played. Assuming it gets played. Okay. New Mexico at Utah State. 5 o'clock local time. FS1. New Mexico and Aggies. I am surprised this game is being played because what, what we discussed probably offline on Twitter, most cancellations have led to a two-week cancellation. And Utah State was supposed to play last Thursday versus Wyoming. The game got canceled. But they're going to play this week. So it looks to be going forward. It's Wednesday morning here, almost afternoon. It should be fine. We'll never, maybe we'll know this afternoon if something weird happens. But, Matt, I think it's good the Aggies didn't play last week because they were going to play Cooper Lega, who is a true, like a true freshman and never played before. Mm-hmm. And Andrew Peasley, well, hasn't played a ton. He's actually been out there and done a few things. I think it's good they had a little break from from the week off, and then they get to Mexico, which is a it's a welcome sight because they're not amazing either this year. New Mexico is still nearly a touchdown favorite, though they're favored by. I six know and a half. that's a lot of points, six and a half. Is that is that, that might not be enough, <laughs> in my opinion? Because when you look at the game, like. The only one player I care about... Also, did we mention Devin, Top, Devin Topkins in transfer portal for Utah State? He's yes. At, he's out. They're losing more guys. Like He was one of their best receivers out there. Um, Savon Scarver is nowhere to be found on offense. But the one player, if they're going to win, it's Jalen Warren. Just give him the ball 50 times on the ground. I don't care how tired he is. That's like that's their only way they're going to get this win is by running the ball. I don't expect... like Maybe Andrew Peasley can throw a little bit here or there. Because New Mexico's not a great secondary, and like they, they can have that, but overall, it's like I know they're both winless, but Utah State just seems just uh, terrible and bad because Lobos nearly beat Nevada. Again, turnovers aside, which they did happen, they really weren't blown out that bad by Air Force because you missed like three field goals. There were some opportunities there to make it close, but like the game was closer than the final score indicated, despite them having all those turnovers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think with when it, when it comes to New Mexico, it's they've been okay defending the run, but I think you know a team that's really committed to getting after it on the ground, you know, and I think case in point, Air Force did it last week, is a team that could take advantage of them because you know, even though on the surface, you know, on the you know, normal rate stats, they're only allowing four point two yards per carry. If you kind of dig into the advanced numbers, you see that they might be a little shakier on the ground than you would anticipate. Um, you know, they're by line yards per carry allowed 106 in the country with nearly three, uh, you know three line yards per carry allowed. They're also 124th in opportunity rate, and, and which basically means that running backs are getting to the second level nearly 60% of the time. Um, and so, I think that's where you start if you're Utah State, where yeah, we, we've harped in past podcasts about, like, they need a downfield element, or at least, like, the, the threat of a downfield element. Mm. But in, in this case, you know, they might be better served by just trying to, you know, make it a limited possession kind of game, you know, matriculate the ball down the field to kind of borrow a phrase from Hank Stram, and, you know, maximize the limited opportunities that they get by just, you know, taking advantage of a, of a Lobos defense that's still very much a work in progress. 
So if you're going to tell me what is the best thing New Mexico does, do they have a best thing? Uh, are we talking about offense or defense? Just in general. I'm just going big picture. Like, what's their – like, if you're saying New Mexico has this, do they have any sort of identity to say, hey, they're good at this? Well, I mean, relative to Utah State, they had big <laughs> – no, I mean, no, that's fair. You that's didn't totally finish the thought. Sorry, man. no, no, I, I just, it, when you say relative to say it's like, well, everything. Sorry, go ahead. I'm just laughing in I mean, general, not at I, what you're saying. Assuming they're at full strength, which again, I don't think I have heard anything about Tavaka Tuioti's status for this game. You know, yeah. on the depth chart, he's still listed as an or with Trey Hall. But they do have a downfield element that Utah State doesn't possess, you know, even though they've been a little bit more erratic, I would say, with Hall under center than Tuioti. Mm-hmm. You know, they still have you know, 40 plays of 10 yards, which is, you know, middle of the pack in the conference and, and 12 plays of over 20 yards through the air, um, which is you know right around average as well. Like for for the sake of comparison, it's as many as Colorado State does and, and as many as San Diego State does. So. I think they could beat them with that downfield game, assuming the two EOD is under center. I think they're probably better equipped for him to do that because I think, it, and I, I don't want to say I, I don't want to say there's a hundred percent certainty, but I think that we've seen enough from both guys over the past couple of years to say that they might be more comfortable attacking down the field with two EOD than with Trey Hall. No, I can see that. No, Tuioti's a pretty good QB. Like, when he's playing out there, he does... Like, that's why I think they're going to win. Like, I didn't mean to laugh at it, but, like, we, when everybody's, like, relative Utah State, it's like, well, most everything should be. But, seriously, you're right, though. I mean, let, let's put it this way. <laughs> if you if you just look at the past defense numbers on the year, yeah, these, these are the only two teams in the conference allowing opponents to complete 70% of their passes. So we're going to see shootout then? Like, all sorts of passing over the field? Is that is this save on, save on, save on Scarver's big breakout game for the Aggies? On offense, <laughs> I mean, I think more than save on Scarver, they need they need anybody else to step up. I know he has we've seen yeah. flashes from like Justin McGriff, for example. You know, they need him to step up and be a red zone threat. You know, they need Jordan Nathan to step up and be able to create plays in space because you know you're talking about again you're talking about a defense. These they've allowed twice as many touchdown passes as any other team in the conference. You know, both the Aggies and the Lobos have allowed twelve touchdown passes. You know, they've combined for just four interceptions and, you know, they're last and next to last in terms of opponents passer rating. And so, you know, even if Hall is under center, you know, he might still be able to take advantage of it. I just think it's maybe less of a certainty. And we just don't know with Peasley under center for the Aggies, whether he's going to be able to take advantage of of a Lobo secondary that's given up a lot of chunk plays. But I think whoever, whichever team shows that it can do that, is probably going to be better equipped in the long run, especially if the, if Utah State can do it, for example, you know, use the pass to set up the run, you know, they, I think, would probably be in a better, better position to keep the Lobos at arm's length than if it was the other way around. Yeah, because I think when you look at the, like, a half can you give um, more in the ball all the time, like, that's the only area of either team I'm fully confident something good happening. Mm-hmm. And so, like, right, they'll probably be able to pass well because that percentage isn't great. Even if it's Hall back there at QB, that gives them... Um, not as good of a chance, but it could still be done. But here, like here's what ultimately comes out for me for the game is like they're both going to throw the ball reasonably well. There'll probably be a decent amount of points to this game because neither defense is great. Um, but one thing you mentioned too, like I know we have a new QB, Jason Shelley's gone. But like you put out that tweet when they played, um, was it what was Utah State's last game they played? Um, 
It was uh, Fresno State. Fresno State, yeah. They had the disparity between big plays and not big plays was gigantic. Like anytime it wasn't a big play, what it was like under one yard per play when it wasn't when taking out like their twenty five through points. those first three quarters, yeah, yeah, something ridiculous. And so Utah State can have big plays, and safe to say, Mexico's defense is not as good as Fresno's defense. So that's where I don't know. I go back and forth. Like I'm, I think New Mexico should win, but like who has the best player? But then you have an inexperienced quarterback. So this game is a to tussle to pick. Like, do you have a read on? I know we discussed a decent amount of who can do what. It depends who can play and who can't play. But at Love, when's the last time Lobo's been a road favorite by a touchdown? That's wild. I That's a very good question. Play, the only thing I can think of is this, like road, maybe in New Mexico State possibly, or maybe the, uh, oh, was it the year they beat Boise State and were basically co-champs in the, in the Mountain Division back then? But what are the, what are the debate summers say? Can they help me out? Because I'm still uh, going back and forth. Um, probably not. Although, <laughs> yeah, although it, it may surprise you that to to know that SP plus favors the Aggies by one point six. Although that is only a fifty four percent win probability, so at least by the advanced numbers, it's as good as a coin flip. I, I yeah, looking over at FPI, they have fifty one percent favor of the Lobos to win, so they say it's pretty close. Like this is how dreadful like. The over-under is, is um, what is it, 51.5? Utah State's averaging 11 points a game. New Mexico, 18.5 per game. Like, they, are they getting 50 points? I'd, like, take the under by miles, right? Or these teams just so bad on defense because they're both giving up over 33 a game. Like, combined, they're giving up, like, 60 is what they typically give up, 33 and 37. That's an excellent question. I, so it's like, what's what's a immovable object? You know what I mean? Like, what's going to happen? Are the uh, Swiss cheese? <laughs> what's going to come mm-hmm. through? Most likely the Swiss cheese. But if Tavaki play, Tuoti Tavaki plays, I'm going to lean lean toward them. But I don't know. I I have to go with my prediction from earlier in the year that Utah State is just going to go winless. I don't like saying it, but I think. I, honestly, man, I I don't know. This, what do you? I I oh man, this is not great stuff. Me just doing all this. Um, Utah State's that bad. I'm going to say New Mexico's going to win seventeen to thirteen. It's tough. Oh man. Oh man, am I going to take the Aggies right now? <laughs> do it. Because I, I almost want you know because I don't necessarily want to you know write off Peasley as as being a non-factor just because we don't know that's the problem we don't know. But at the same time, he really he literally cannot be worse than Shelley was for the first month of the season. Challenge you know, especially accepted, against, especially against a defense like this. And I think if you're if you, the way that I would think about it is you know who are you know, how is the best player on this in this game gonna influence the game and i think the best player in this game is maybe jalen warren yes you're not wrong and so i think i think it'll be a more entertaining game than a lot of people expect i think a lot of people might expect it'll be kind of a messy boring low scoring game i think it's going to be pretty entertaining i think the aggies will make some noise i think the Lobos will be able to move the ball i think they'll both be able to score points but I'm going to take the Aggies to win. I'm going to say 31 to 28. Lots of points. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I I can see I can see your point. Like it being like a sloppy fun game, where oh turnover turnover score like stuff like that going on. But I I just don't trust either offense. But it's all the unknowns this game, which makes it tough to pick. So 
that's our the other Thanksgiving game we have. We have now let's move to oh my schedule's gone. Do we not have a Friday game this week? We have two Friday games this week. Or actually no, one. Because we had two, one got canceled. All the cancels. Wyoming. So we've, we've got Wyoming and UNLV. FS1, 1 p.m. Pacific. No fans at Allegiant Stadium if you're trying to go. They they put the axe to that. Wyoming, Matt. 16 and a half point road favorite. <laughs> That's all the points. Wyoming hasn't played in a while. They're sitting at 1 and 2. Rebels 0 and 4. This should be. I don't know. Here, no, I, I, I shouldn't say should be. Justin Rogers gets another game here, and he looked pretty good last game he played. When it was, what was the last game? The San Jose State loss, I believe. Mm-hmm. Like He looked pretty good, so I'm assuming he'll be the guy at center, under center. And that's going to be a positive for them that could help Charles Williams run the ball as well, assuming they get him involved more than they should. But again, you got this Wyoming defense. Like The reason 16 and a half seems high, Matt, because Wyoming's offense isn't really known to be explosive this year. So that's where it's like, can they really be ahead by 16 and a half points? Just in general, unless they win like seventeen to zero, like but if if they get to the twenties or thirties, I don't know if they're able to be that dominant against this team, have that big of a lead. So you say that the Cowboys aren't necessarily known for being explosive, but they may actually surprise you in that regard because when I dug into the numbers, you know, obviously they aren't, they still aren't an offense that's going to throw the ball all over the field like a lot of other teams in the conference. Mm-hmm. But when you look at explosive plays created, Levi Williams has actually been pretty, pretty impressive in that regard. Like he's only completing 55% of his passes, which, you know, still very much a work in progress in that regard. But when it comes to creating 20 yard plays through the air, you know, his rate right now is at 16.3%. And just to put that in context, that's better than Nick Starkle. Okay. That's better than Carson Strong. And and it's better than Hank Bachmeyer. The where the the where the points. I mean, I think a lot of it comes down to red zone performance, because you know neither team has necessarily covered themselves in glory, um, you know, when they were able to move inside the twenty yard line. But I think you know to UNLV's credit, yeah, like when you when depending on how you slice things, the Rebels have been kind of shaky when in regards to with regards to giving up points. You know, the only team worse than them in, in opponents' red zone conversions is, is Colorado State. UNLV's given up points on 22 of 24 possessions in the red zone. But at the same time, they're only allowing a touchdown on 13 of 24 opportunities, which is a lot closer to the middle of the pack. And on offense, you know, Wyoming's been, you know, similarly kind of okay when it comes to turning points. Uh, you know, they're 12 or 14 on their own red zone opportunities, but they've only scored eight touchdowns, which is 57%. And so I think, you know, however team, or w- rather, whichever team gets the upper hand when, you know, when especially when the Cowboys are on offense mm-hmm. and they're able to move the ball, and I expect that they will, but if UNLV can stiffen up in the way that they've shown that they can, at least on occasion in past weeks, that I think is one of those things where you know you may not it may not be one of the things that's foremost on a fan's mind, but you know holding them to three is going to be really important in this game, even if they can't necessarily like create a turnover or something like that, because you're talking about a Hawaiian or a Wyoming offense that's you know it's okay it's it's good but it's not necessarily like a top tier offense, and I think that there may be opportunities for the Rebels to to make some noise against them with their own opportunities with the ball. You're, you don't like Xavier Valaday? Come on. 
I mean, maybe. I mean, he's he hasn't been quite as efficient as he was last year, though. That's true. He's you're right. Like he's still getting same amount of carries or more, but he's not getting what 130 yards a game on the ground. So there is that. No, that is a concern. Like, what is you like? When we look at what UNLV has. Like, they're on four. So let's don't forget that. I don't want to mm-hmm. put some shine like, oh, they're this team that can do good things. Like they do have the young guys, like the young freshmen catching the ball. It's like you mentioned again, like, like a couple weeks ago. It's like. Just get the young guys the ball. It's like also like it's ultimate spring football. Get your young guys out there and see what they can do and play. And they have literally nothing to lose. Like they've already owned four. Um, they may not win a game all year because while means a tough one, Boise at Hawaii going to be difficult. But they need to like Coach Arroyo needs to find his identity for this team. Mm-hmm. It's like they're not going to have Charles Williams next year. But I think Rogers he'll be back for at least another. I think he's what, a sophomore this year. Like I think they need to start leaning in to be more of a passing team. Like, don't give up on Charles Williams. Um, like, that's the only guy running the ball. Like, nobody else – like, Courtney Reese is the only other guy with six next leading rusher that's not a quarterback. And so they're going to lean on Charles Williams, but, like, Kyle Williams, getting involved, 20 receivers, like Noah Bean. Like, they have these guys on this roster where they I think they need to really start embracing the passing game and use Williams when they need to, but don't just rely on him to get whatever – a million carries a game. Like – this is where if they don't win, it's not the end of the world, and it's fine if they don't win. Fans won't like you to say like, "Well, if you don't win, it's not you're not making progression." But I want to see what you have at quarterback. I want to see what you have in these young receivers, and but keep them within. Just move them up in the game plan because Rodgers has a couple years left. Williams is all in likelihood not going to come back despite their free year. He'll go in the NFL and see if he can make a team. But I think they see to lean in who they want to be, maybe not who they are, which is not what you always want to do because we've talked about bringing teams in like Steve Adagio at CSU. He wants to run the ball, but they have all these good receiving groups. I know no Warren Jackson, so it's a bit different. But the team, like usually, it's like okay, ease into what you want to do instead of what you have. But I don't think it's too much of a stretch to say passing a bit more is out of the ordinary what UNLV wants to do in the first place. So to that point, because I'm glad you mentioned it, because I was going to say the same thing if you didn't, and especially on early downs. I think UNLV shouldn't shy away from being aggressive, you know, because right now it's, you know, you mentioned Justin Rogers, but it's actually Max Gilliam who is still listed as a starter on this week's depth chart. But one thing that he's had a lot of success with is throwing on first downs. You know, he's completing just under 70% of his passes. You know, he's got a passer rating just under 160, which is, you know, pretty comparable to, to other guys in the conference, like, you know, Starkle and Jake Hainer over at Fresno State. He's had that same kind of level of success, and that is also the same down where the Cowboys have typically struggled the most. You know, to date, like it's only three games, so again, this could definitely swing in the other direction, but they've allowed, Wyoming has a 75% completion rate and over nine yards per attempt. So that, I think, is kind of an inefficiency that the Rebels can exploit you know, if they're not afraid to just kind of, you know, use the pass to set up the run, you know, and, you know, conversely, I think another thing they're going to have to do is just make sure they don't give up big plays on defense, because that was not only one of the things that really sunk them early on in last year's matchup in Laramie. But like I said before, that's something that that Williams, you know, despite his accuracy issues so far, has proven that he can do for that offense is, is you know, open it up down the field force you know defenses to defend everywhere 
And I think if UNLV can do something or at least attempt to do something similar, whether it's Gilliam or, or Rogers under center, that I think is what can give them a chance. And even like you said, even if it doesn't work out, you know, at least they're putting themselves in the best position to succeed. You know, Williams might still be their best offensive player, but in this particular case, you know, trying to you know fit that you know round peg into the square hole may not necessarily work out for them the way that they would want it to. It's true. Like, like Wyoming has a better talent overall, and this game. Let's get to predictions here because we don't need to dive too much deep into it. But I think, like, when we go to like the best players, it's like it's mostly the running backs. Levi Williams is a better quarterback, and he's been out around there a bit more. I just think the sixteen and a half is too much because again, watching the UNLV San Jose State game, like whatever you think the Spartans are undefeated, they might not be the best undefeated team out there, but they're winning games and looking good passing the ball, and so. They pass the ball against Rebels, so maybe Williams will open up a little bit more because he's more than what Sean Chambers would have thrown, obviously, from what we've seen and known. Um, Wyoming still has, we can't say the young receivers, but they're still fairly inexperienced. They haven't played in two weeks. They've only played three games. I just think when watching those Rebels, like they were doing good things against San Jose State. They were just a little unlucky and ran out of gas at the end. And I think mm-hmm. Wyoming's depth is a bit better. Like Wyoming's defense better than San Jose State's, I believe. I'm going to say that for sure. Offense. Not the case, but Wyoming does different things. They don't need; they're not going to make those huge plays, but they can move the ball well. Like the over under fifty two, I think Wyoming can get to thirty, but I think I'm going to go like a thirty to fourteen game, like right around covering, but not quite there. Or be like, I'll go tw- I'll go twenty eight fourteen for Wyoming. I think that's what I'll be. They'll get the touchdowns this time and not rely on those um, stop get stuck in the red zone like they prone to do this year. Yeah, SP plus favors the Cowboys by. 15.4 that's an 81% win probability but I'm, I'm kind of like you I don't know if it's necessarily going to hit the over but I think Wyoming is going to be okay with that I think they're definitely in a position to frustrate this UNLV offense because mm-hmm. the defense has been better than expected even with the opt-outs even with the injuries that they've had does, yeah. so I think that you know it's the kind of game where they might just put the rebels on a sleeper hold in the long run um, I'm going to go 28-13 in favor of the Cowboys. Basically the same score. We got it. So I looked at You know, I said no fans. They do list tickets at 505, but that's not the case. I clicked on that ESPN link. Like, no. Plus, would you pay $505 for this game, Matt, if you're one of 1,000 people to see Wyoming versus UNLV? Maybe if I was desperate to get away from my family. That's, a, that's some desperation there, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? Paying a premium for that privilege. Uh, exactly. All right, let's get to Saturday. We have two big, games. Big game. Big game. Not the big noon game, but a big game on Fox. Regular, low-digit number, over-the-air antenna, Rabbiters, Fox Channel. 2 p.m. local time, San Jose State at Boise State. Where's the respect for the the Spartans, Matt? 11.5-point road underdog? Come on. Permission to call this Big 2 Saturday? (laughs) Granted, yes. Yes, I approve. So what's your first instinct on this game? Well, first off... Is Boise State getting players back? Because that's the thing we'll never know until BJ Rings tweets out 45 minutes before kickoff when the radio crew on the pregame show of Boise State announces who's in and who's out. They've been walking a fine line in that regard. Last week they had a lot. Last year, I mean, they had they had a lot the you know the week before against BYU too. That's true. Or, or rather, end against Colorado State as well. Excuse nope, me, the whole season. Come on, there. Everybody, come on. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, but I think that's a testament to the depth that they built over the years that, you know, you can lose like, you know, one, you know, wide receiver three. You can lose, you know, your, you know, one or two of your interior linemen, but you just have another three, 
star guy stepping up into the breach. And, you know, you're still you're still an offense that's against Mountain West opponents averaging 45 points a game. And, you know, a defense that I think is, you know, in the hand, in the, among the handful of defenses uh, on a per play basis, that's one of the best in the conference. But Uh-oh. I would say that, you know, outside of BYU, San Jose State's probably the best opponent that they play this year. And for the Spartans, is this the biggest game in program history? Mm. That Fresno State game was pretty big a couple years ago. Sorry to bring it up all the time. I mean, I had to think about it because you know, you go back to 2012, which was you know the only time that the program ever finished the year ranked. Yeah. You know they won 11 games, but you know I went back and I remembered that their 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 loss to Utah State was actually like their conference opener, mm. so they ended up kind of chasing the Aggies for the conference title all, all you know all season long. Um, and then before that, you may have to go back to like the 80s when they were still in the what is it the Pacific Coast. Athletic Association before it was the Big West. When was Jeff Garcia quarterback? Any big games and he was out there slinging it? Mm, uh, not really. <laughs> I'm just wondering. I mean, I mean, like 86, 87 was the last time they won back-to-back, you know, 10-win campaigns. Yeah, I'm looking at they went to California and they were, twice. And they were conference champions in both of those years. And that was those were years where, like, Fresno State, for instance, were also really good under Jim Sweeney and things like that. So considering the stakes, well, what this did- is – this is in the conversation if it's not number one. You're, yeah, it's in the conversation. I don't know if it's number one. It's in. I think it, I could say. So, do you? What were you say? What was your official wording? Most uh, like most important game or biggest game? Yeah. Like I think the consequences of this game are huge, because if you win, like well, look. Okay, let's look ahead real quick before we get to the game. They still have not played Nevada, correct? Mm-hmm. They still play Hawaii, right? Uh, yes. And they have one other game, correct? Mm-hmm. Who's who's that? I'm my, sorry, my internet's being slow, so I'm trying to slow play the schedule. I'm remembering off my head. Um, Let me look it up. Real I quick. got it right here. Uh, no, that's it. Just those two. That's it. Those three left. They have three games left. So these are the, they already beat San Diego State, which is a tough one. This is this is their three toughest games. Mm-hmm. Well, left obviously. I, I wish they played Fresno because that would have been a great game. So yes. what what this game does. I think if they win this game, I'm not saying they will, but hear me out. If they win, Boise has a loss, and that hurts them. There's only two undefeated teams in the conference because Nevada um, – well, we'll get to them in a minute, but they play like, – like they're undefeated at the moment, sorry. And, and, the, and the Broncos don't get to play Nevada. That's true. So that's the big thing. So I think San Jose State is in a driver's seat to go to the conference title game if they win this game mm-hmm. because they'll, have, they'll be 5-0. and Even if they were to lose to Hawaii – because that's a possibility. Hawaii's a decent team, pretty good team. And then they play Nevada, which could be you beat Nevada, you'll turn back around and probably play them again. Dep- because depending on what the tiebreakers are, we'll, we won't go into the details. Maybe that's something we look at further. But if Boise fin- if, if San Jose State wins this game, Boise has one conference loss. It could be a three-way tie where it's where San, San Jose would have it because they'd be Boise and Nevada. Mm-hmm. And then you have to figure out Nevada-Boise and go through all the tiebreakers, which... I believe off the top of my head it would come down to common opponents, which they both lost. It'd go beyond San Jose State. It'd mm. probably be like Hawaii or something. So we could have a rematch of either, like, that's the point. They're in the driver's seat. They win. They're pretty much a very likely team to be in the championship game, which is wild to say. Yeah. But as for the game itself, it depends. Like, 
the biggest key, I'll come back to it every week until George Lonnie's back. It's not I don't believe it's it's not COVID, it's injury deal. He's not out for the year, so there's a chance he could play. If he does play, I think it's easy to take Santa's or excuse me, to take Boise State to win the game. If it's Andrew Van Buren, I know he played well last week versus Hawaii, but that's like the only good game he's ever had in his career. I'm not gonna bank on anything close to happening that happen that again. I'd rather I'd more likely see a twelve carry, thirty nine yard performance, maybe a one touchdown. Than multiple touchdowns and 100 plus yards. Mm-hmm. Like, that's where, if you're looking at probability, that's the case. Like, Hank Bachmeyer probably could throw on this defense, could throw into like Kalisha here. That'll be a pretty good matchup. So, I think the 11.5 is way too much in disrespecting the Spartans. I mean, I think this game, and maybe it's cliche, but it's going to be one in the trenches on both sides of the ball because, you know, on, on defense, you're talking about two units that have been really successful about getting after the quarterback like san jose state has been a little bit better than the broncos in that regard like the you know boise state is 50th overall in the country 7.3 percent sack rate on defense san jose state is ninth you know we, we talked about those handful of uh, defenses that have been really strong um you know their their 10 percent sack rate almost almost 11 percent sack rate is you know, a credit really, I guess, to their defensive ends, particular Viliami Fihoko and, and Kate Hall have really stepped up. But, you know, on a more granular level, it's really been a team effort, too. Like the linebackers, I think there's four different guys who have at least half a sack. So I think one of the keys for this game, which, you know, maybe it's obvious, but they really need to get to Hank Bachmeyer and they really need to force him into a mistake, which easier said than done because he's been a lot better about limiting those kinds of mistakes than he was, you know, uh, at, at certain points last year, you know, he only, only has one interception in 80 some odd attempts, but I think, you know, San Jose state's defense, their, their secondary is good enough to be able to, you know, create a tip drill interception or, or something like that. But I think even if they can rattle him and kind of force him off of his game, I don't know that they necessarily want to be in a situation where they just rush three or rush four, and allow Bachmeyer time to find his receivers downfield because that's something that was, you know, sort of MIA earlier in the season, but it was an element of their game that they really rediscovered last week against Hawaii. You know, if 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 they let Shakir get open, that's a problem. Shakir rather, there, there's a good there's a good chance he's gonna burn them early and often. And so I think they're gonna want to put pressure on him, you know, at least make sure that they feel that, that he feels their presence in the over the course of 60 minutes. Oh, definitely. And also, like, not just that, but, like, let me just bounce over the special teams really quick. They they can't allow any cheap points. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not going to be CSU, but the Hawaii return for Avery Williams there. He had the, the, the fake throw, which faked nobody out. Come on, who are we kidding? Stuff like that. But they they need – San Jose, man, point being, they, it's kind of at the point where it's the up-and-comer guy. It's like – they're going to be pumped for the game. They're going to want to beat the game. They haven't really been close. I don't even know if they've. I should look it up. But they've even beaten Boise State yet. I don't know. They have not. All right. So yes, with uh, that special teams there, just don't give up cheap points, Matt. That's the mm-hmm. what you want to get at. But when you look at what what can be done, like San Jose State has to be kind of perfect. They think they have to be perfect to win the game. They don't have to be, but I think that's a case where, with like I mentioned before, they. They haven't beaten San Jose, or San Jose hasn't beaten them forever, or ever, actually, you said. 
they're going to come in like, oh, we're this scrawny little team. We're going to be against the big Boise State, who, again, not ranked at the moment, got thrashed by BYU. Yes, shorthanded, but they've been on the rebound played well. So, like, they, like, the keys, like, for the Spartans to win, like, running game for me is, like, their big deal. Similar to Boise State, like, Nick Nash, fine. He'll get his carries, but Tyden Evans, he's not doing very well. They need to find that because Nick Sarkle can throw. But they got to, it's just them thinking it to be perfect, but. Do they do they have to be perfect to win the game, Matt? Like I think they can. They can't have a lot of miscues or errors. Like neither team can. But if a team can afford to make mistakes, it's more Boise State side, and that's kind of where I lean to this game. It's like it's kind of cliche and dumb. Like, well, don't make more mistakes than the other team. But I think the Spartans think they have to be better than that. Do you know what I mean? Does that make sense? It does. And but that's where I'm getting at. Like they they have the receivers. They have a front seven that's really good. They can get to Hank Bachmeyer against the offensive line Boise has, which is better. But I, the only area where I'm concerned against them not running the ball well, but that could go both ways possibly. I mean, I think you're probably going to see them try to lead with the pass anyway, in the same way that we talked about a few minutes ago with UNLV. I don't think they're going to be shy about passing it, you know, first and second down if they, you know, see the opportunity to do so. You know, like I mentioned earlier, it's like Starkle's been one of the best quarterbacks in the conference on first downs and so yeah. i think they're necessarily going to shy away from being themselves i don't i think for them like they need at least more of a nominal presence of a running game than they got you know thinking back to last year this particular matchup you know they really put a lot on josh Love, josh love's plate to try and win that game and, and for like three quarters he was up to it and it wasn't until he made a couple of mistakes later in the second half that they were really able to that the Broncos were able to put that game away. And so you could see something similar unfolding, you know, for me, for me, like it's, they've been really successful about getting the ball out quickly. And I think it's going to be those kind of one-on-one man matchups between, you know, guys like Trey Walker and Bailey Gaither, you know, against cornerbacks, Avery Williams and Jalen Walker. You know, you mentioned Williams as a special team contributor, how they need to kind of contain him on special Mm -hmm. teams. He's going to be even more important than that, you know, with whoever he ends up lined up against. Because I think, yeah, you know, whether it's slants, whether it's whip routes, whether it's quick outs, you know, I think the Spartans are going to put themselves in position to get the ball to those two guys in particular early and often. So Williams and Jalen Walker are going to need to be ready for that. Like their, their tackling is going to need to be sound. And, you know, that's the kind of thing where, you know, if they can have the same kind of success that BYU did, then all of a sudden you're talking about a different kind of game. You know, if, if Trey Walker can have the same kind of game that he did in this matchup last year, you know, the, those two guys, Williams and Walker, were, were starting cornerbacks last year too, and, Walk, and and Trey Walker got the best of them. So it's not necessarily a guarantee, but that's another one of those things that the game is going to really hinge on whichever team gets or gets the better of that particular element. So who do you think is going to get better? Like who, what, what edge would you give? I mean, I think the Spartans are a lot better suited to take advantage of that than like Colorado State was because I think, you know, they've at least shown that they can, you know, diversify the offense or, you know, provide enough targets to, to secondary pieces in the offense, you know, like a Derek Deese, like an Isaiah Hamilton to keep the Broncos from like rolling coverages to one guy or the other. So I think they're going to they're going to have to be on their toes because I think, you know, the, the quick game element has been really key to San Jose State's success. And, you know, BYU did a lot to beat them deep 
but I don't necessarily think the Spartans have to do the same thing in order to, to land some body blows against this defense. That's true. Let me ask you a question. Who's the better quarterback? Oh, that's an unfair question because they've <laughs> been really good. Because it's going to come down to stuff like this. Like These games are like, when you look at their strengths. I mean, if you're, if you're gun to my head, I would say Starkle because Ooh. I think you know, going back to what I said earlier about their ability to create downfield plays – through four games, Starkle's just been better at it. It's like, and I think you know every little edge is going to count when it comes to a team, you know, a matchup of two teams with high octane offenses. Okay, um, I don't know. Let's um, let's wrap it up here. What points? What's your projection here? What's FPI and stuff say? Okay, so SP Plus does like the Broncos, um, but it might be a little closer than a lot of people anticipate. They only favor them by nine point eight, which is a seventy one percent win probability. So, what's your projection? You going you going to upset pick here? Remember, you picked CAC over Boise last time. That gave you egg in the face. Yeah, I, I mean, I it's going to be close. I think this game, like last week's network game between Nevada and San Diego, San Diego State, is going to be as good as advertised. I think it's going to be close. I mean, I think San Jose State's going to cover, but I'm going to take the Broncos to win thirty-one to thirty. Interesting. So, is this? Let me let's wrap it up here with this game. Is this one where maybe maybe I'm looking at more of the fan base type from the Boise side? Were they expecting a blowout victory? Like we haven't really heard from our buddies, our Boise guys, about what's going to happen this week. Because right now, F- FPI is 74% chance Boise will win, but also like a 10 point victory. Mm-hmm. Like the fan base is probably expecting a blowout victory, right? I think they're maybe expecting a, at least a comfortable kind of victory, like they had last year. Okay. What was last year? Oh, no, last year was a shootout. 52 to 42. That's why I'm wondering. Like, last year was close last year. Um, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to pick San Jose State for the victory. Wow, okay. I'm doing it. You picked your stupid and bold uh, bold and stupid pick, whatever, stupid upset pick a couple weeks I appreci- ago. I appreciate you you taking the, the bullet to, to get yelled at this week. Hey, that's okay. Did you see on <laughs> – really quick before I get my actual score and stuff on, I think it was like ESPN of their NFL coverage – or no, no, NBC Trico kept picking the one against everybody else. <laughs> it was all it was all perfect except for like Mike Trico. I'm like, all right, mm-hmm. good for you. It's not gonna come back on anybody being a, a dummy. But here's my reason why. Again, it comes down to George Solani. Like, I don't think Andrew Van Buren, Buren can have replicate same game versus Hawaii because San State's rush defense is better. Special teams is hard to predict to have multiple like they've had two games over touchdowns on special teams. Two, nope, not many teams do that. And so I'm kind of I'm not discounting that, but the odds of getting a, a not cheap points but uh, quick points on the board by playing well in that aspect is highly unlikely again. So when you combine special teams, probably not going to have a touchdown because that's rare as it is. You you might not have your starting running back again. Like if Lonnie plays, I would totally take Boise State, but I don't know. But even if you're playing to be close, I'm going to say I think there'll be a lot of points. I'm going to go 38 34 San Jose State. All right, then. All right, one last game here. Hawaii hosting Nevada. Seven-point road favorite for the Wolfpack. Is Nevada just going to score like 60 points and win this and cover and make the cover by themselves to the 60-and-a-half? I mean, there's definitely a lot of point explosion potential on this one. There is. Um, also, we should notice on the Team One Sports app, um, I, is it going to be on Nevada Sportsnet, I thought I saw on TV in the Reno area? I have not checked but when we put together our game previews when we put together our how to watch article we will make sure to have all that information be sure to check mwire.com yeah we'll have that up so this game like 
is going to be much different than Nevada versus San Diego State because Hawaii, if we saw versus Boise State, they, they can be thrown against. They could be going downfield. Um, but I think it'll be a lot of points. I think Hawaii, because Nevada's defense, it's weird because we see what San Diego State ran and pa- or not ran, but passed very well against in that first half. And Shavon Cordero has a better offensive weapons, like with Kelvin Turner, those type of guys who he will either run or pass the or excuse me, he may pass out of the run and catch the ball quite a bit. But that with Nevada, my big thing for them is quit doing the slow starts. Like they had all the red zone field goals against San Diego State. They're down 9-0 to Utah State. They were barely beating New Mexico at the half. This is a game where I thought it would be San Diego State, but it could come up and bite them if they're in a close game play and let Hawaii hang around because Hawaii has a better overall offense than any of those teams they've played the past couple weeks. Mm-hmm. And just Carson Strong, just chuck it. Give it to Romeo Dubs and let them go deep. Like That's their game plan, but Nevada has too many weapons compared to Hawaii for them to go toe-to-toe if it's a shootout. I think Hawaii could sort of hang around. But we saw versus Boise State, like Hawaii's defense just kind of fell flat and their offense couldn't keep going through it the whole 60 minutes. I mean, what's interesting is like, you know, depending on how you want to read the stats, you could actually talk yourself into this being kind of a strength on strength matchup with, with Nevada's passing game versus Hawaii's passing defense. Did you realize that the Warriors are number one in the conference and passes defended right now? I know they're up there because we had the debate a couple weeks ago, like how good is this pass defense? They're number one in in passes defended overall. They're number one with seven interceptions. Mm-hmm. You know, by quarterback rating, they're fourth in the conference. But there's really like a very slim difference between the top four teams. They're essentially neck and neck with Nevada in that regard, and they're only allowing opponents to complete fifty four percent of their passes, which I think is actually second in the conference, pretty trailing good. over Fresno State. So they, you know, they. You know, you look at last week's game, and, and Bachmeyer was able to make some hay, but he didn't necessarily light them up in the same way that a lot of quarterbacks may have in years past. And you know, that's a credit to you know new defensive coordinator Victor Santa Cruz and a lot of new faces who may not necessarily be getting as much attention as maybe they're due after half a season. So you know, while on paper you might be tempted to say, yeah, you know, Strong and, and Romeo Dubs and, and company are going to be able to throw the ball all over the place. You know, I would say, you know, maybe not necessarily, you know, if, especially if the cornerbacks in particular, I don't know who's going to end up on him more often than not. But, you know, Cortez Davis, you know, on paper hasn't been quite as, you know, disruptive as he was last year. But, you know, let's not forget, I think he had, you know, 10 passes defended last year. He was or rather still is perhaps their best, most veteran cornerback. So you might see him matched up one-on-one with Dubs a lot. But even the young guys have, you know, had their moments too. You know, like Corey Bethley at safety has three passes defended. You know, Cameron Lockridge had an interception, you know, one-on-one down the field against Khalil Shakir last week. So, you know, these guys who you may not necessarily know their names right now, but you know you might start paying attention to them because they've been pretty solid overall, and I think you know they've definitely got the capacity to force Nevada into another another one of those slow starts. No, I totally agree with you that it could be a one of those, but that's like they can't have that, right? Like that needs to be avoided at all yeah. costs. So my my you know my avoidance side just throw it on the field, right? Why not? Think so? What else you got to lose? Come on, chuck it down the field. 
Give it to Dubs. Give it to those guys. That's all you got to do to uh, avoid it, right? What? Like, but that's what they do best, right? Do what you do best, correct? Yeah, but I mean, I would also say, you know, there may be more <laughs> of an opportunity for them to establish the running game than in weeks past, too, because, you know, for as as surprisingly solid as the Warriors have been defending the pass, they've still got a lot of work to do when it comes to defending the run. You know, they're they've given up eleven touchdowns. You know, they're seeing a lot more action on the ground than just about anybody else in the conference yeah you know the 44 attempts against them per game which is not insignificant and they're allowing over five yards carry so you know even if they're able to frustrate strong throughout the game you know this is an opportunity where maybe the combination of of Toatawa and Devontae Lee can take another step forward in a way where you know they've they haven't necessarily needed to all the time week in and week out so far mm-hmm. You know, but this may be a game where they combine for like 150 yards at five yards a clip, and that is the element of the of the Wolfpack offense that's able to you know give them the upper hand as the game progresses. No, definitely can. Like if it goes well, that's boon for them because again, the pass defense, like I kind of can't like chuck it downfield. They're going to try if it's successful or not. Mm-hmm. But Hawaii has to go against that. Like they have to. They can't. I mean, like they got to play. They're going to plan for that. You know what I mean? Like, let's put it this way. You know, there's a huge split for Nevada as far as their rushing offense between the first half and the second half. In the first half of games, they're only averaging two and a half yards per carry. Mm -hmm. So long story short, I think there's an opportunity for them to improve that average in this game. That that is, and that might be their way to win where, because we saw when Darren Hall is up against Dubs, like he, I think Dubs had like 10 targets, only caught five of those or something. Mm -hmm. There's a tip pass, like they had a good plan against him despite him having still 250 plus yarders and a touchdown in the game. And so it's hard to contain him, but yeah, you're right. Maybe that's a way where that, if the running game is going, that could open everything up where Hawaii has to not just say shadow or double dubs or any other receiver out there that they don't want it. Mostly him clearly, but where they can just make a point where they can't play past defense and let their front three, like their, whatever their front six guys, I guess they have this extra DB in there. Like mm-hmm. we're like okay, well, let the running game beat us. I think they're okay with seeing if Hawaii, or excuse me, if Nevada can beat them on the rushing rushing side of the ball. Like I think they're fine with the first quarter saying, okay, well, we'd rather defend the pass, and your running game isn't great. We'll see how that goes, and then make adjustments from there. I think that's how they'll start off. And and if Toa Tawa can't run the ball very well, and they're fine, they can defend that fine with five to six guys, and that just it makes it a little bit tough for Nevada. But I still think Nevada can break through even with that. Mm-hmm. Not going the way I guess I would say. So, what do we say about Hawaii's offense? Like, what can they do against Nevada defense here? Like Hawaii again, it's a theme I've mentioned a couple of these games. They don't have a great running game. Shavon Cordero can't take 90, 80 to ninety percent of the plays essentially where he's running, designed run or run for his life or passing. Like they need to have Miles Reader Turner. I think needs to be involved more in their rushing attack to be, and that helps to be a bit more unpredictable with Turner doing multiple things. And I mean, I think I think it's to Cordero's credit that you know even when you account for sacks and, and hits taken, which you know he, he's mm-hmm. taken a lot more yeah. than you might expect. Um, you know, on on offense, they have an eight point six percent sack rate allowed, which is you know pretty close to the triple digits nationally. Yeah. So they've been a lot shakier in that regard than they were in years past, um, and maybe some of that is just growing pains in the offense. But, you know, you look at what Cordero has done, and even without adjusting for sacks, you know, if you just think in terms of total offense, 
you know, he's number one in the conference right now, just in terms of like the plays that he is, you know, accounted for, you know, more than strong, more than Jay Kaner, you know, more than anybody. And he's still averaging nearly six yards per play, you know, in terms of like yards per game of total offense, he's third overall, uh, or excuse me, fourth overall. Um, so, I mean, I think there's, there's opportunity there for Hawaii to kind of implement, you know, a, a very, you know, number 12 heavy kind of offense that they want to. But I think I'm with you, like they desperately need someone else in that running game to at least take a little bit of the pressure off of them because, you know, Reed's production has really fallen off a cliff. His playing time has kind of fallen off a cliff too. Yeah. You know, he's ceded some of that to Turner. And I think that's been, it's, it's worked in, in spots, you know, obviously last week Turner had a dynamic second half against Boise state, but they need more of that to kind of take the pressure off of, off of Cordero and to keep the Wolfpack front from, you know, keying on Cordero in the same way that they were able to key on Lucas Johnson in, in, in the game against San Diego State a week ago. So what's the advanced number say for this one? So SP plus, uh, you know, I would actually close that tab. Hold on. <laughs> so you want to vamp for a moment? No, let me go for again? this. So I'll go. Yeah, I'll give you my stuff here. So what I really want to see, I want to see an undefeated San Jose versus undefeated Nevada. That's what I want to see. So my pick, I am going to, I'll hear your numbers out here, but I'm leaning toward Nevada. I know it's on the islands. It's a little bit trickier. But Nevada, I think, has too much for, for Hawaii to go toe-to-toe. Like, similar, like I said, against Boise State last week, where they had stretches where the defense faltered them, and they needed to make massive comebacks to make it close. Okay, so SP Plus does favor the Wolfpack. Um, they see it as being pretty similar to Boise State, San Jose State, actually. They favor them by 9.6, which is also a 71% win probability. So what's your score? I'm going to take the Wolfpack to win two, but I think it's going to be a track meet. I think it's going to be first to 40, and so I think, obviously, Nevada's going to be the one to do it, but it's going to be a lot harder for them to, to come away with this game than I think a lot of people might suspect. I've got them winning 42 to 35. Man, we're too close to liking our picks. What's the deal here? Well, I mean, we disagreed a couple times. I picked San Jose State, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, I think, and, and, you, and you also picked Air Force. That's true. I'm going Nevada 45-35. All right, then. So that's the games for the weekend. We have two games Thursday, one game Friday. Hey, NFL game got pushed back Thursday night, so you got the one evening, primetime, late afternoon kick. So Steelers-Ravens got moved, so we can now focus in on that lovely New Mexico-Utah State of winless teams, guys. Yeah, buddy, that's <laughs> what the real ones are about. <laughs> that's where you're going to focus. So we'll be back um, Sunday to recap all these games. We'll keep you updated, too, because, again – there could be, again, that boys, the BYU-San Diego State game. There's still a small chance that could be added. Um, a ton of guys were out UNLV last week for that CSU game, so there's a little something to keep an eye out. So if anything weird happens, cancellations, game additions, we'll be – just check our Twitter. That's most likely the quickest thing, quickest thing to do over the weekend at MWC Wire. But we'll be back uh, next time and see what happens on Turkey Week. So have a good one, everybody.